discussions. If you're easily offended, do not continue. We would be honored if you would join us. How are you feeling? Your latest workups on your condition indicate that all damage has been reversed. Recovery is total. I believe you have been quite fortunate. No further thanks are necessary, Commander, but you are most welcome. It is my function and pleasure as a medical droid to help and heal human beings. I am a Jedi, like my father before me. Alright, hello, welcome everyone to the Mandalorian edition of Star Wars From the Back to Tank. I am Michael, your host. As usual, nothing's changed. I probably should just quit saying who I am. <laughs> First off, I don't think anyone cares. So, how are you today, David? Doing okay. I am doing fine and feeling positive today for a change. Yeah, it was a good episode. I'll just say it that was. right off the bat because I want people to calm the fuck down with those <laughs> Twitter messages to me. And that is why I don't listen. I, I don't use my Twitter account that like, much. I don't know what's wrong with you guys. It's so awesome. Yeah, the Mandalorian's cool. Why can't you love it? <laughs> the Mandalorian's cool. And this episode was definitely a step up, and it was it was more than a step up. It was a really good episode. I'll say it. Well, it's amazing th- that the one thing me and you have been yelling at the series about is stick to your narrative, and the episode that they finally get to about their narrative turns out to be their one of their strongest ones in season two. Yeah. Well, their myth arc is what you mean, right? The myth arc. Yeah. Myth arc. Yeah, for sure. Uh, this episode, Dave, was directed by Carl Weathers. Yep. That's right. Cool ass black brother. And honestly, down on, and he did a fucking good job. Well, I'm honestly happy that they took Carl Weathers now, because at least the one thing we criticized Mandalorian last episode was they keep bringing in these non experienced directors. And we all know Carl Weathers has been around the game for oh, yeah. a very, very long time. He's not just in acting, but also he has a very rich uh, or very established directing uh credentials in television yeah so he knows how how a television show should work yeah he did really well with the script and john favreau also wrote the hell out of this episode so i have no problem giving credit well credits due very happy with this episode the synopsis the mandalorian rejoins old allies for a new mission old allies i mean the show we're only 12 episodes, <laughs> it's only 12 episodes in. in i mean that's something you usually write for maybe like the third or fourth season yeah all right so so far dave the mandalorian season two has been a non-stop action adventure shoot them up bang bang but the writers have not taken us very deep into the actual story the meth arc it's been a bit superficial until now This episode changed it all. This episode not only took us right into the main story, adding much needed layers to the overall narrative, but right into 90s. You ready for this, Dave? Right into 90s expanded universe territory. Yes, it did. That's right. John Favreau reached into that little lockbox of classic EU greats now called Legends and brought it right into the official canon. Now, I believe this element the dark troopers have been introduced into canon as some people say it's not necessarily official i want to say it was in a video game recently uh, where the a version of the dark troopers were introduced so i believe it was in in fallen jedi so they're calling it um that was already in canon but i want to say in terms of live action story yes this is it right here and dave well, legends Rolodex lockbox <laughs> like this is something we've been hearing about for such a long time and, and we have gone on and on about the whole YouTube video that was released via StarWars.com that had Kathleen Kennedy and George Lucas both talking I believe in 2012 right when the the exchange of Lucasfilm to Disney occurred and they had talked about this lockbox that they're taking all those things from the expanded universe and they're going to, we're not going to get rid of them forever. Yes. We're going to take them off the board. We're going to scoot them into a little box. And when the time's right and we find ways to bring them into the story, we'll bring them out. 
and something that Filoni, anything he's involved in so far, this is exactly what they've done. Even when you look at what they did with Solo, with bringing in Darth Maul, a lot of people aren't aware that, yeah, sure, that was Ron Howard's son's idea. But who do they bring on to consult? Filoni. Filoni. Everything pertaining to that expanded universe that all of us Star Wars fans want. Every single one of us love that old school expanded universe. Every single one of us. Filoni knows what we want. Yeah. He really does. And whether this was Filoni or Favreau, I mean, I'll give credit where credit's due once again. Favreau is a fan. He's a fanboy. What we're getting here, The Mandalorian, is essentially fan fiction when you really think about it. No, it is. It it started off as an unsanctioned project. He was writing it for shits and giggles. And Filoni's all, oh, shit. Let me see what you're working on. So Favreau is definitely one of us. You know, something taking things that he likes and remembers during a time when he was coming up in the film industry as well in the 90s. He is, but I I believe I would like to say that basically this is more Filoni's influence than anything else because this is a deep dive. This is something that basically a deep cut. It's a deep cut. I mean, if for Star Wars fans out there, it might not seem that deep, but honestly, the la- the only time we've ever seen the these type of stormtroopers was in video games. That was Dark it. Forces. Yeah, it, Kyle Katarn. Kyle Katarn. The very first back in the early nineties. Did you remember were that game, dude? That oh, game it was amazing, dude. That game changed my life. It it didn't just change Star Wars fans' lives. It changed video game fans' lives because it took the first person shooter. Yeah. And made a story out of it, gave yep. it some context. So that at that time, it was just Doom, right? That was kind of doing those first person yeah, things. Yeah, Doom and yeah. Quake. And mostly it was just basically simple go around, shoot 'em ups. Dark Forces was the one who established a lot of different techniques that yeah. is now used today in a lot of uh, video games. And that's why, you know, bringing this in, I'm like, going, this is a deep cut. It has to be Filoni actually doing it because I can't. Unfortunately, up to this point, I know you're more, you're more forgiving for Favreau at this point. But I am basically now just straight shooting it. I'm just basically saying at this point, Favreau has not shown that, shown that he's able to bring something that deep into a story because he's focused he's trying to focus on his own story so something like this element this seems like it was something like Filoni would say hey go ahead and put this in into your into your narrative and we'll make it part of your narrative well isn't that kind of what they I believe that's what I remember correctly during Star Wars Celebration when they were first promoting the Mandalorian I believe that's what they said Filoni was going to be. Filoni was going to be like that dictionary. Yes. Like, hey, let's um, let's do this. Well, what could we use? And then Filoni would be like, well, this is what we can use. How about this? Yeah, here's here's so, what's going on. You may in have your a story. point there. Bang. Yeah. Use regar- this. Regardless, though, Dave, it was it was used appropriately. Yes. It and was. what makes us even more relevant to the story of Star Wars is we could actually be heading into canon defining aspects. That is why this episode was so good for me. Not only was it written well, not only was it directed well, but also we are getting relevant world-defining aspects, which so far the Mandalorian really hasn't lit the world on fire in terms of canon-defining. Not yet. They've been playing it safe for the most part, using things that we've seen with the Dark Saber and continuing stories like Bo-Katan and Ahsoka. Those things are great. Don't get me wrong. But the Mandalorian also needs to blaze its own trail in order for it to be unique and remembered. This isn't Dave Filoni's third installment of his storyline. This is John Favaro. Mm-hmm. So he needs to define his series. And that moment we saw at the end of the episode is one of those aspects that can really change the game. And dude, on top of that, the acting too was in this episode was very strong compared to like the last couple of episodes. Even With, uh, Cara Dune. What, uh, what's the actress in his name? Uh, Gina Carano. Gina Carano did a good job. And I have For not change, been yeah. an, uh, an avid, you know, believer in her talent as an actor, but she did a pretty damn good job this episode as well. Exactly. So as our heroes walk through the Imperial outpost, they found evidence that backs up our theory. From the very first episode, Dave, if you remember, 
we went through a few theories. One was that the child was a clone. And the other was that the child was being used to extract midichlorians to use with other people, essentially, giving them the ability to feel, touch the force, essentially. And sure enough, it does appear that this is what they are doing. There was a recording, I believe, that mentioned MC count. Yes. I mean, what else can that be? <laughs> exactly. I like how say, I yeah. like how they're skirting. Like, eh, we don't want to say midichlorian straight out because there's tons of those Star Wars fans that hated that. That don't just go rabid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. As a, as solid as the episode was as a whole, it's the revelations about the true purposes behind Moff Gideon's plans and the Imperial base on Navarro. That's what really resonates. Yes. Answering that question or adding to it was vital at this point in the series. Why is the child important? And for Gideon to get his hands on, what's the child's purpose? Well, obviously, we don't know everything yet, but at least now we're getting more clues. 12 fucking episodes later, we're getting something added to that. And we desperately needed those connections. Yes. And the series as a whole needed the connections because it's while everyone's been really positive and I understand everyone's been loving the Mandalorian up to this point. Yeah. There are voices actually starting to arise. where basically saying critics. What else are you going to give us? Critics. It's nice. Dave critics were in love with the Mandalorian. The first season. A lot of people didn't see any of the the little issues that were there. And now a lot of the critics are now saying, okay, this is great. This is fun. This is fucking groundbreaking in terms in terms of technology. It's stunning. But we got to get someplace now. Yeah. We have to move this story along. And it does seem like Favreau does, in fact, have a plan. And that was the only thing I was getting worried about. I am willing to be patient. I'm not one of those impatient fans. I just want to know. I want to feel. Dave, we've been burned. Okay. (laughs) Uh, We are Star Wars fans who have been burned by a hot stove. And let's say that hot stove is Kathleen Kennedy and Disney. Okay. Let's just say (laughs) that. And we, you know, keep reaching for that stovetop. And we know it's hot and we burned ourselves. And we're like that one kid who's not very smart and we keep touching the burner Burner. because we love that burner so, so much. Maybe that analogy isn't great, but you get my point. Yeah. We love it so much. We keep touching it, hoping that it's not going to burn us. And yet every single time it does. But now this now in the in the era that we're in now, we're now afraid we're now starting. You're starting to see fans more hesitant to touch the burner. Yeah. To believe in the in the franchise, because here's the thing. Not the Mando bros. The Mando bros are like, they don't care if this was like complete garbage. This could be written by a two-year-old and they would probably love it. They probably love it because of, you know, that's how Mando bros are. Yeah. Because this is the way, <laughs> but Dave, they were Mando bros long before this is the way. <laughs> no, 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 that's, that is very true. <laughs> but like with, especially with the Mandalorian as it's been so far, it's all about teasing the audience up to episode 12 the last one yeah all all he's been doing with his narrative is leaving little breadcrumbs leaving little teases here and there we're we're moving forward at a snail's pace though yeah and i'm sorry that doesn't work especially since you're giving it to us now technically in season two when this is stuff that should have belonged in season one because in season one you've been you were ball tickling the audience the whole way you gave us a great you gave us the great ending of you know revealing the dark saber and the appearance of Moff Gideon. But what did you really do with the story that basically th- what we learned in this episode needed to be learned in the last season? Yeah, but at least we're getting it now, Dave. Like we can't cry over spilt panther milk. We can't. <laughs> yeah. We we just can't. We we need to Look at what we have and look towards the horizon. <laughs> look towards the horizon. Look into the twin binary suns. Yeah, and hopefully we we won't go blind. Yes. Yeah, so we are getting those things that we need. And if this is in fact what they're doing, Dave, 
you know, this whole MC count, aka midichlorians. I salute John Favreau for honoring Lucas in this way. And the reason why I say this is because so many people have poo-pooed on the midichlorian concept. It has now become low-hanging fruit, where the most dummiest of dummies will gravitate to that midichlorian joke. To the point that Lucas explains what his story was a couple years ago, what his idea was for the sequels that Disney trashed. And people laughed at the concept when it sounded mystic as fuck. Mm-hmm. You had the midichlorians and we were going to explore what they really were and how they spoke through the force and what they represented. The concept to me, if you remember, Dave, you and I talked about this on one of our news shows. We loved it. Like, holy shit, this is amazing. So the fact that Favreau is using midichlorians and Filoni as well. We know Filoni hasn't. He's one producer out there, Star Wars producer, who has also not veered away from Lucas's babies. I mean, we had the wellspring of life during the Clone Wars. Oh, yeah. And the midichlorian aspect. So I like that they're doing this. We can't pretend certain elements don't exist because. And we shouldn't. Because it might be dangerous. And listen. You can kind of fuck things up in a way that feels very just strange and odd. Yeah. And the midichlorian aspect, Dave, has never been an issue with me. The only problem was how they conveyed the idea of it in it's Phantom the execution. Menace. It, it, the fact that you can take a blood test, mm-hmm. you know, with a with a shick razor <laughs> in Phantom Menace, that was the thing that never sat well with memes. But the execution. It's the way they did it. They took the mystic and kind of dumbed it down to some bizarre version of science. And we all know Star Wars never has done science very well. No, no. And like, I mean, that's the thing is like the concept of metachlorians is fine. It's awesome. It's fine. It's awesome. It's it taps into some really mystic areas that we all would actually like. I mean, look at Rogue One when they put, bring up the Guardian of the Wills. Yeah. Essentially, it's the Metachlorians. That's what they're talking about. And But it's, in that regard, it's the execution. It's the execution that made it really good. Now, if they execute it right here, I don't think it's a problem with introducing Metachlorians. Yeah. In fact, it's something that we as Star Wars fans just need to embrace. It's It's been created by George Lucas it's his creation. You got to at least embrace the idea because it, overall it's George's idea. <laughs> yeah. And I want to clarify or add on to what you said about the guardian of the wills, Dave, just to make sure we don't have any fans getting mad at us. The guardians of the wills were not supposed to be midichlorians, midichlorians. in rogue one. Yeah. But the concept originally for the guardian of the wills was essentially the same idea of the midichlorians on paper when George Lucas was writing Star Wars on his within his journals. It, they sounded very similar because his original concept was going to be this overlord, this all knowing character that was telling a story. And they were going to be called the wills. And he changed a lot of that as he moved into his you know production for a new hope exactly but a lot of the concepts in on paper within lucas's diaries sounded a lot like they were his first versions of what the midichlorians and the wellspring of life would end up being yeah because it also deals with the bendu which is a fantastic introduction from uh, rebels without without the midichlorians we don't get the bendu yeah all right so i will say Getting us back to the actual revelations in this episode, I will say I do like everything they did with this episode, but you do have to be careful with this. If not handled the right way, this could be a huge jump the shark for Star Wars as a whole. Also, they need to explain a few things as well. How did they find out about midichlorians? Was this a part of the Tarkin Initiative? Was the Emperor and Vader aware of this, this plan to extract midichlorians? If so, I can't imagine they'd be okay with this, especially Vader, who's a true believer in radical. He would say this is a perverse abomination. Can yeah, you because- imagine if Vader knew of this plan to extract midichlorians and essentially, 
I'm assuming here. But what else are you doing with midichlorians? I'm assuming they're taking them out and putting them into those dark troopers. Yeah, they're basically trying to make super soldiers. They're making, yes, they're making clones, a version of clones that are troopers that have been injected with midichlorians. I can't imagine Vader being okay with that, especially if you look at all the comic books and books where he is quick to destroy anything that he views as an insult or an abomination. Abomination, yeah. In fact, I, I can count many times during the Vader comics where he, in fact, specifically when the Emperor was trying to fuck over Vader in the first Vader series, and he brought on the scientists that made all types of different experimentations, and I believe Vader specifically called these scientific experiments perversions of the Force. Yes. So he wouldn't like this. And the Emperor... The fact, remembering that the galaxy never knew the Emperor was a Sith. The galaxy never knew he had the Force. Yes. So, how does someone like Moff Gideon find out about midichlorians? Is it a is it something that the masses knows? Of? Is this something the masses know about? And this is do this we is... know this, Dave? Based on other not forget expanded universe stuff okay. that's been retconned, but just. In this new era of Star Wars, has it ever been stated that peep that the midichlorian concept of the Jedi is knowledge that's known by all, everyone? No. And that's why it leads into one of my tinfoil hat theories, what we're going to see okay. at the end of the season. And I honestly think that Moff Gideon is one of the emperor's closest elite. We know, we know that the emperor has his close elite generals. Oh no. You're going to, you, you think this is connected to rise of Skywalker. Yes, it is. I, I don't, I think so. That. I think that that is the end game. It's going to, it, baby Yoda is going to be a puzzle piece to explain the emperor because remember, but do we need rise explanations? Of, we get it. Uh, we, Sith. I know. I know. We, we already understand. <laughs> we get it. He created clones. Yes. Cloning isn't a new concept. It's been used in Star Wars since the very beginning. Yeah. And he puts his body into these clones. Some of them can hold on to his power and some can't. It's very clear, especially if you've read the novelization of The Rise of Skywalker. Yes. But the way the ba the, the child is used. Yeah. The way that they were talking about it, how... He's ran out of, uh, I believe he, the, the scientist was saying he ran out of samples because a lot of the samples have been proven to burn out. And yeah. I think Moff Gideon's plan is to make super soldiers. So, you know, those dark troopers that we saw, that's his plan. Right. But the I overall agree. research is going to lead to explain how the emperor has been cloning all of those bodies, how he created uh, Snoke. Why is Snoke actually imperfect? Well, this is going to tie into it because in essence, this is going to explain the mystery of where the emperor came from. How did he get back back here? Yeah. Well, and but we already know how he got back here. He cloned himself. But how? <laughs> See? David's called the Sith Tenfold. and the Force. Do we really Tenfold. need? Listen, Tenfold. I'm not blaming you for that idea. I've seen everyone talk yeah. about it. My, my, my brother, uh, my young brother said the same thing. He, he said he thinks that's what they're doing. And, and I don't want, a, don't get me wrong, Mike. I don't want them to go down this route. I almost feel like this needs to be. Okay. <laughs> if, Gideon is, if Gideon is doing his own thing. Yes. And then this leads to that later down the road. Then I'm okay with that. If Gideon's doing the bidding of the Emperor, I think that already conflicts with things we've already been privy to within this era of Star Wars. We already know the Emperor wanted to burn the Empire down. Yes. He said, hey, you failed me because I died. Guess what? Fuck all of you. What? You remember in the game Battlefront, Battlefront. and all the books that accompany that storyline that backed that storyline up. It was all about you failed me. So this is the end of the Empire. And that's why he had the first or uh, the the last order. That's what he was working towards. Yes. So we'll see. I'm open to anything. I'm not being a stickler here. As long as it works and they don't jump the shark. I'm just nervous about the whole midichlorian thing. Yeah. I, I do like it. 
I actually do. But I'm I'm just nervous because, Dave, as you know, when you start taking the force and you're able to just simply give it to someone else, it feels a little hackish and it feels like fan fiction to me. Yes. It doesn't feel like Star Wars. And the reason why I say this is because imagine if it's that easy to be a Jedi or to touch the force. All you have to do <laughs> is take metachlorians and inject it into yourself. And the and the only the only thing that I'm glad that they did was the scientists did say doing that a lot of the test subjects died. Yeah. That it was too much for them. And also maybe if let's say this is what they're doing. Let's say it's only for a short time. It's almost like a drug. It does not stay with them because it's an abomination. It's not part of the natural order. And because of that, whatever cloning they do, it's only short lived. Because if you can clone people and then give them the power of the force, that's <laughs> some, the you got to be really careful. What's the point? Because if you remember, there was a story in, in um, I want to say Star Wars, the f- first volume the 2014 2015 run i want to say issue 27 possibly it was where yoda went off in his own mission oh the blue pl- the the yeah the people eating off of the uh the, uh, the stones giant, yeah the, the stones and the headline for that comic was anyone can have the force if they have a stone when they were promoting this and i'm like oh my god <laughs> I have a stone in my pocket. Now I can touch the force. Ha ha ha. I'm a Jedi too. Here, you want a pebble? Now, now and we can both be Jedi. Now, the way they ended up doing it was amazing. It was amazing. The and it story was, was fantastic. It was dark. It was mystic. It had a whole entire other story going on within the subtext. It's probably one of the best story arcs within the that run of Star Wars, that yeah. Star Wars comic. It was awesome. They handled it the right way. If we go into similar territory and handle it very delicately like very they delicately. like they did like Jason Aaron Jason Aaron right yeah it was Jason Aaron who did that like one. Jason Aaron did for star for the Star Wars comic then I, I'm I'm 100% comfortable yeah and, and that's I'm with you there is it, it's kind of like I'm I'm a little bit more hesitant just because Mandalorian hasn't shown that they have they have the skill to do it yet. Well, when you say they, uh, you mean one person? Because there's only one writer. <laughs> and yeah, I don't. I hate saying that. It's just what. Have you noticed that I've taken my um, my common word of writers, and I've just it's now singular. There's it's no, singular. There's no longer plurals when I'm talking about the writer, the writer, of the Mandalorian. Mandalorian. And you know what? I know in the very beginning, me and you have been. With John Favreau, just because of who he is, it's John Favreau. Okay, but at this point, there's been so many questions about how the how Mandalorian has gone so far. Uh, listen, Dave, let's be patient now. Yeah, they, they right or no? Am I wrong? <laughs> I'm going to be patient. I'm still on the patient meter. I'm still on the patient here because they answered. They went back to the narrative just in the nick of time. Because See, you there you remember. go, David, trying to touch that burner again. I'm yeah. like trying to be the champion over here, even though I know we're probably going to get burned again. <laughs> that, and here's the sad part. Here's the sad part. I'm with you there because I'm like thinking to myself, I just wait next this coming up ep- episode. It's only going to focus on Ahsoka and we're going to step away from the narrative which is going to irritate the crap out of me <laughs> because the main myth arc, you mean the main myth arc. Yeah. We're going to step away from the main myth arc and it's just going to be Ahsoka centric and it's not going to amount to anything. It's going to be like the Boba Fett episode in, in the very beginning. Let's, let's be patient. Let's not get there yet. No predictions, please, Dave. None. <laughs> let's be positive. The show does have its highs. It does. And it does have its lows. For me, the lows are low. But the highs are really great. As I said a couple weeks ago, there is no in-between in this show. It's, oh, my God, this is earth-shattering awesomeness like this episode. And then there's, oh, my God, a fucking frog. (laughs) (laughs) Stop eating the eggs. Stop it. (laughs) See, I liked what they did with the child this episode. I was okay with that. The, The child trying to help fix the ship. See, to use the Internet's words, that was 
cute. That was cute. That was cute. It was a. I like stuff like that. As long as that's not all you have. It's like I don't want just a chick with big tits. I'm sorry. Yeah. I want big tits, ass, and a personality. That's just how I am. So when they do cute things, Dave, do it with some substance. And I and yeah. to see how they did that in this episode worked for several reasons. Number one, they're expanding on the relationship between Jajaran and the child. And the it's child. not simply, hey, look, at, he's so cute. They're actually showing how he's growing. We need moments like that. Moments that are cute, but also they do something for the story because this helps us understand the child's age a bit better. Because for you and I have discussed this, like how old is he really? Yes, we understand in, in his species year years, he's 50. But in t- terms of, so we can get a better context, where is he mentally? Uh, obviously, if you live longer and you age differently than humans it doesn't mean you're you're as wise and as uh mentally prowess as a, as a 50 year old would be if you were human yeah. so how do we gauge where the child is really and now we understand that he's probably he's not an infant he's probably around three or four years old probably yeah i would say that and i never really could quite put my finger on how old he really is in terms of human years and now because of that scene, we get, we understand a little bit more, maybe even slightly younger, maybe one to two. No, I would I would put him around the three to five range, especially when he gets to five, interact. five and you're not talking and you can't figure out red and blue. It, come on. It, it, I think he might be a little retarded then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because here was the thing. He's when not you get five, to, Dave. When you get to the child... Uh, uh, Interacting with other children in the class. I'm sorry for saying the R word, people, but I was, that, that annoyed me. <laughs> but here's the thing. Here's the thing. You parallel that with how he interacts in the class. You understand. You got to get this gauge that he knows what he's doing. He, but so does two year olds. Yeah. That's why I said, I mean, I would put him in about like the three. I would say, yeah, I was oldest three. I definitely don't think five. If he's five years old and he's acting like this. You need to set up to special classes. Yeah, Jaren might want to put him in. Uh, he might want to talk to Grief Karga and see if they have any special classes for him on Navarro. And what, what would be sadder is like if they run into Ahsoka and then she says, you know, it's strange. He's 50 years old, but Yoda's never acted like that. <laughs> I would be like going, wow. Hey, Dave, representation he is, matters. What, representation what, what if matters. He's, uh, what if he's mentally... Handicap. That's sad. <laughs> that's, that, that's I don't even sad. like saying that. That makes me sound like a bad person. But it, and then he, they say, and then they say he's an imperfect clone. Oh, he's part of the uh, what's that squad from Clone Wars? The Bad Batch. He's part of the Bad Batch. <laughs> <laughs> oh so, man, I'm making this worse. I'm making this worse. <laughs> all right, Dave. So moments like that work for me because yeah. we, it gives us. It's smart because it gives us a gauge at. And everything I just went through. I'm not going to go through it again. Well, get, uh, just, just to summarize. You freaking threw me off, David. <laughs> to summarize what you he's said. He's not five years old. <laughs> I think he's like 10. <laughs> I think he's 10. That's right, right? But like, to summarize like what you said. If you it don't just know gives... the difference between red and blue at 10, nothing's <laughs> wrong with you. <laughs> but to summarize, summarize what you said, it gives a gauge into their relationship. It, yeah, and I like I really and that's like that's what's important. Is because up to this point, yeah. we've never really seen how they interact with each other except for like passing the passing the ball to him yeah. and him sitting behind him. And- I think this is the best in those 30 seconds. I feel like it was the best look into their relationship. And you know what's even where they're at and how they have grown as a, as you know, essentially father and son. That's, that's yeah. what they are. Yeah. And like. I think this was the most I've ever seen Pedro Pascal actually get to emote for his character that we can finally get a gauge of his, of DeGeron's actual emotions when it comes to the child. Yeah. Like he's not going to yell at the kid for screwing up. Instead, it's kind of like, he's like, it's Oh, are you okay? Blue. <laughs> the blue one, you little shit. Blue. Yeah, he's not You're gonna... fucking green. That's red. And that's fucking blue. That would, that'd be so awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Look in the mirror. God damn it. 
Oh man. Yeah, there was a lot of great moments. There was this episode with the child. There's quite a bit. Did you notice the child was trying to when the Jaren was eating, was drinking, and he lifts his mask up? Did you notice the child was trying to look? Yeah. And the child was like trying to peek at Yeah, child, we all want to look as well. We 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 would like to see his face as well. (laughs) (laughs) And dude, that was that was one of the funniest most ridiculous points in the episode for me that I was okay with was actually watching the Mandalorian drink and he wasn't even taking off his helmet. I want to know how he has sex. <laughs> like if you can't, it's just, it's the stupidest concept. <laughs> I have, you can't take your mask off. What? How do I make love? <laughs> Listen, I understand. I, uh, I mean, yes. I mean, uh, man, I mean, it's just not fair. Let's say, oh, well, you don't need to make out fine. But how are you going to go down on a chick? <laughs> how are you going to make I this Because I guarantee fun? you, uh, the, his girlfriend would be like, this is not the fucking way, bro. I need, <laughs> I need some uh, fellatio. This is, not, is this all you got, Mando? <laughs> because, yeah, that, that point was like, okay, so you mean to tell me, not even in front of the child, he takes off his helmet. Yeah, that's why I feel like it wasn't thought out very well. That whole like, I can't take a mask off because it should be, hey, around family and maybe, a, you know, loved ones. You can take your mask off. What fucking religion? No wonder it's a cult. <laughs> Even if you're married, you can't take your mask off. Well, do you remember how Bo-Katan actually re- looked over to one of her feet? Oh, he's one of them. <laughs> yeah, she probably was attracted to him. Let me see your face. Let me see what you're working with. I don't want no butter face. <laughs> all right i also like what they did with karga and dune as well Amazing, having them yeah. work together to essentially tame navarro and bring civility to most of the planet i felt was a great addition to the story it says a lot about the two of them because yeah. we haven't really spent a lot of time with them we're now episode what is this episode four of the season so far yeah episode yeah episode four of season two and we've uh, we have not even seen our our lead characters, and they are lead characters, by the way. They're billed as as lead, and we haven't seen them. So to, that was a good way to fast forward and give us enough on the two of them to mm-hmm. know what they've been up to. Uh, it also says a lot about them as yeah. well. It says a lot about the two of them. The fact that I love that. Grief Karga has taken this newfound wealth and the fact that he's in charge of Navarro. And instead of lining his pockets, what has he done? He has helped the city, not just the city, the planet, the planet. progress. Yeah. Uh, Cara Dune uh, becoming a marshal and making sure law and order is around in this city and in the planet is another great way to show their character like and what are they about internally are are they pieces of shit are they you know greedy no you see that the two of them actually do care about do care. and it's amazing it puts it puts gravity into that moment in season one which i was really cool that was really awesome was both of them getting affected in the child in some way like yeah if it wasn't for the child that moment when he saves carga yeah, from I'll, dying yeah and then right after that, Karga like looks at the child as he suddenly he has like this new lease on life. Well, first he thought he was going to eat him. Remember? Yeah. Don't eat me. <laughs> Don't eat me. <laughs> and then like right after that, suddenly Karga's characteristic takes a the turn. He, his character, his character motivation is arc change. And it's because of what the child did. Yeah. And it shows the gravity of the child that basically he was able to turn this one person and suddenly make him into a great great man now yeah i yeah i agree i i like it quite a bit uh favreau added to dune's story as well um potentially foreshadowing foreshadowing her return to new republic ranks that was an interesting that was actually one of my most more interested moments in the episode was that very end was because why wouldn't she return to the Republic. She was she was she, one of them. I believe, yes. No, she wasn't part of the New Republic. I believe she was... Uh, wait, was she... I believe she was the part of the Rebel Alliance. She was part of the and Alliance. And she essentially was ass- assassinated key Imperial leaders at mm-hmm. the end of the war. Yeah. When the Death Star was destroyed. And then she told 
to Jaren last season that she did she felt out of place within politics and the New Republic, and that's why she went on her own. Plus, I believe she said she had some warrants out that she's probably wanted by both the New Republic and the Empire. Yeah. So things I have a feeling things are changing fast are going to start changing fast. Alliances are forming uh, and with the introduction of this new character, the X-Wing pilot. And now we've seen him what twice this season? Twice now, yeah. I think it's going someplace. I think it's going someplace, especially with uh him asking Kara about about um Alderan, which what a stupid question first off. Yeah. Like you're from Alderan, right? I like, thought that yeah. was a dick question. And like you lost some people close to you? Yes, motherfucker. <laughs> the planet blew, blew up. up. I lost my neighbor. I lost my uh <laughs> I lost my dog. My mother, my father, <laughs> my aunts, my cousins, my former fucking roommates. Like, yes, yeah. the, I lost some people. <laughs> and yeah, when that I was so I was like expecting Kara to basically just like bitch slap the like, pilot. Nah, I didn't lose anyone. Oh no. Completely oh, alone yeah. on that planet. Not even a dog. No <laughs> cat. A dog. <laughs> yeah, I, I was lucky. Lost no one. And I mean it was interesting. I'm more interested in how it seems like the, the new Republic is kind of shunned still a little around the outer reaches. Five years isn't really a lot when you think about the reign of the Empire. Because remember, even Karga turned down the pilot. It, it was obvious he didn't want to work with him when he when the pilot's asking questions and Karga's like, yeah, that's it. Okay, well, think that's about all. it. And I'm hoping they get into this because, all right, as far as the galaxy knows... The Republic became the Empire willingly. That's it true. Was, the Republic was fighting the Separatists. And then when the alleged Jedi attack on the Emperor or the Chancellor, they then reorganized and turned the Republic into the Empire. The Empire essentially was an offshoot of the Republic. And then hell ensued as the Emperor ruled the galaxy with an iron fist. So why would you then why would you be so open to trust a new organization called the New Republic? The New Republic. Are you going to turn to a new empire as well when the going gets tough? (laughs) So I understand politically from a political aspect why a lot of people would be very untrusting. Untrusting of them. And I thought that that was a really cool moment is actually I was worried that they like be buddy buddy like everyone loves the new republic right well, especially dave think about it now most people know the jedi are affiliated with the new republic there's got to be rumors right luke starting a new uh academy leia ben solo all these things as far as the galaxy knows the jedi were the villains that pushed palpatine into palpatine, becoming an emperor so exactly. there's a lot of Politics that needs to be sorted through. So the fact that they are entrusting on the New Republic, I I totally get it, and it works. And it works. Yeah, that was the thing that I was like really really ha- happy with because I'm I'm like, like if they were just like I was saying buddy buddy with them, it seems so so I don't know lazy. It it, w- it would feel lazy. I believe there was a also a book, uh, a Princess Leia book. Bloodlines. Bloodlines that, correct me if I'm wrong, Dave, but wasn't the entire book about a propaganda smear campaign against Princess Leia and that she's the daughter of the Darth Vader? Vader? Yep. And and that was, that's, that book for me is one of the highlights that not a lot of people talk about when it comes to Star Wars expanded universe and the new era with with books because Bloodlines was actually really cool. It had a cool insight more so than even Aftermath than any of the other books because like it really showed the landscape that just because the new uh, the, the Rebel Alliance won and good won throughout the galaxy a lot of people kind of looked at that and didn't really see the rebel alliance as good because remember a couple of planets thought the rebel alliance were terrorists yeah so all of a sudden the terrorists suddenly well, win uh, technically the rebel alliance are terrorists are a terrorist group yeah and like suddenly they're uh, 
like for people out there, all of a sudden you expect those planets to just say, oh, yeah, we're friends with you now. Well, you're going to be weary of anyone trying to form a government after you've had multiple failures. You had the mm-hmm. separatists, you had the Republic, you had the Empire, and now you have the New, Repub- the new Republic. The New so Republic. It, yeah, it would make sense that people aren't necessarily overly eager to say yeah let's join up and we're here and the thing is i i was so wanting after this more stories of karga having to deal with that because that would be cool yeah seeing seeing grief karga actually deal with the political side of this new era where the empire is no more he has to deal with the criminal cr- uh crime syndicates but he also de- has to deal with this new regime that's coming in saying that, Hey, we're all happy and best friends with everybody. Right. Right. No, no. Yeah. (laughs) All right. We also had that moment towards the end, not the dark troopers, but that little bit of knowledge that was dropped on us, that Gideon is tracking the razor crest. And we all know where the razor crest is heading. Yep. To go find Ahsoka. So a lot of things are going to start crossing. Ahsoka, Gideon, Bo-Katan. We have the Darksaber. We have the Mandalorian and the Child. Things are going to get really complicated real fast. And I'm really stoked to see what happens next. Uh, The visual effects were just out of this world once again. Action sequences are so well choreographed. The budget for this episode was probably fucking insane. It felt like I was watching a full-blown Star Wars film. Yeah. Full-blown Star Wars film. Uh, when the when the scout troopers came off the, the ledge, the platform, went down the canyon walls, chase after the armored transport, that whole that sequence was, cool. was awesome. Yeah. It was so awesome. So, Dave, good episode. My RMD score for this episode is 20. Or, no, whoa, 20. <laughs> so leave the twist. It was such a good episode. I give it a 20%. 20%. Uh, no, I'm, I don't know why I said 20. <laughs> that was, that'd be so awesome. And my score is a 20. Twist. <laughs> 90% is 90. what I meant to say. <laughs> what about you, Dave? For me, I'm also going to give this a 90. It's the best episode we've gotten for Mandalorian to date and I love everything that that they've done so far they've progressed a lot of their characters forward which I was really liking and production wise I was really impressed that a lot of the a lot of especially like Gina Carano was able to step up her game as an actor for the character because you gotta remember season one we were not very nice on Gina Carano's acting abilities with her character in this episode she took it up a notch. Now, is that because she was uh, paired up majority of the time with Carl, Carl Weathers? Because Carl Weathers is freaking awesome and he's amazing as an actor. And he's, a, he, he's directing this episode so he knows how to get things out of yeah. his fellow actors. But still, Gina Carano did a fantastic job. I was really pleased with it. Yeah, they're, they're finding ways to make her work. They're mm-hmm. learning your... Making the cast actually work for it. Yeah. You know? Yeah, Carl Weathers definitely knew how to make Cara Dune work. And, or I should say uh, Garano. And the Carano? fact that... What's her name? Gina Carano. Gina Carano, yeah. And, like, the fact that we also got little tidbits that aren't just, oh, he's adorable. Their relationship's all about being cute uh, with the Mandalorian and the, and the child. I give, that, I give that to Carl Weathers as the director because he knew... He, can, he pulled that visual emotion out of those two characters in the very beginning and it worked it took yeah. that the, the the character's relationship leaps and bounds where it was so i agree it's a 90 however i say this with a preface they they did a good episode mike yeah fine they get a cookie oh they get a blue cookie that <laughs> they, they get can a blue throw cookie. up all over themselves yeah exactly yeah don't throw up on yourself next episode <laughs> See, Dave, when an episode's written well you could put all the silliness in there. Like that whole thing was ridiculous. But it, but with it was fine. with the child stealing a cookie, dude. I laughed I'm like that's funny. And yeah. and you're you're cute here, little guy. 
you're cute. You asked for a cookie. Nice. The little shit didn't give you one. So take take matters into your own hands and your own hands. use the force. But like in the very end, what happens? You you, you threw up the cookie. <laughs> so don't throw up. the. I, I'm hoping that Mandalorian doesn't throw up its cookie right now. Oh. Just the next episode. Give it continue the myth arc. Continue your narrative. Because if you think about, it, dude, I don't how many episodes do we got left? We're, at, we're we're technically in the fourth episode yeah. of the entire season. I believe they're at eight for yeah, this. We have, for this we're season. halfway through. We're halfway through. You have a lot of ground to cover. <laughs> yeah. So, well, Dave, I'm I'm I've been satiated a bit. So now, if we're given a little bit of fun in the next episode and nothing else, I we I'll be okay with that. I just. <laughs> I was getting a little anxious and uh, I'm not taking back what I said about the previous three episodes. They haven't been stellar in terms of writing. This episode was actually written well as well. That's the thing. Yes. Take out all the, the things we learned, but look at the character development and the amount of ground that was covered. The pacing was right. There was, was a, right. There was a coherent act structure. It was even, it was a well-written episode. That's why it's 90%, not just because, ooh, Dark Force troopers, you know. I mean, exactly. that, that's definitely a bonus, but I don't, I don't rate things based on cool factors. Exactly. I, and I, I've gotten to that point where I try not to score on cool factors because you got to be honest and basically tell yourself, just because it's cool afterwards, is this a lasting moment? Is this like... Will we remember this episode, say, next year? David, if, you know, if ladies, you know, judged me by cool factors, I would never get a date. <laughs> you have to judge me for what I'm worth. worth. <laughs> All right, Dave, this does take us to the end of our discussion. I want to thank everyone for listening. Be sure you have a blah, 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 blah. make sure you head over to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Digital and pledge. Help us get to the next level help us stay on the air in order for us to keep doing these shows into 2021 and beyond we need those patreon subscribers to go up we need to see it increase one to five dollars a month will help us out um, we do bonus shows that uh, we've steered away f- for the last few weeks last six weeks just because we've been so busy with mandalorian uh, but typically on average we put out two to three additional patreon shows a month for star wars so five bucks a month you get a whole plethora of content plus we've been doing this for years so when you subscribe you're going to gain access to about i don't know a thousand hours of star wars discussions comic book reviews book reviews all types of good stuff so patreon.com slash rain man digital thank you thank you may the force be with us oh yes (laughs) 